to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast! <laughs> <laughs> Jeez! That was uh, frightening. That is frightening. I thought me. there was a wild animal. Right. Um, back to the script. This is the podcast where four therapists, three of us Canadian, one of us Americans, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan Howes, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. I am Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Vancouver, Canada area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, a registered registered clinical counselor, also from the greater Vancouver area. I'm Chris, Chris Boyd from uh, Vancouver, also a clinical counselor. Um, Was that some like hockey horn or something you just blared at me oh, i thought that was you ryan no that was chris that was oh, okay yeah it was chris i just googled uh what? horns is dj horn oh. air horn at uh, first i thought it was like an angry goose <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a nightclub that's right that was angry. really good timing it was good job scared me yeah i'm trying to perfect it all day I'm like, okay, how much time? Did you think it was going to be like like a trumpet? Were you expecting it to be an air horn? Were you hoping for a trumpet? I think it was a good one. That was appropriate. For the the ooga. Ooga. Ah. That's a good one. Well, it startled me. My nerves are rattled. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to calm myself down, take some deep breaths. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, So, so, uh, how are you guys doing? Anything uh, new up there in Good. Great White North? In Canada. Uh, it's very cold. Okay. We are just slightly talking about this. Uh, yeah, Arctic wind has come down, so we're, we're chilly. <laughs> we better move out of our igloos. It's getting a bit cold up here, you know? Yeah. Well. I, read, I just like say that I joked that because I was watching some videos of just stereotypes and how some people truly do believe that we do live in igloos all of us up here so in canada just, uh, as if we had the skills to build an igloo. have you ever tried to make one of those oh man i have it's extremely difficult yeah watched uh the super bowl it was fairly lackluster mm-hmm. yes um, sorry about that but uh still kind of fun to have some snacks and <laughs> Yeah. Watch along, you know, the halftime show was kind of neat. That was uh, some Canadian content, apparently, the weekend. Yeah. That's some pretty hip songs. Oh, yes. The, uh, the, the folks with the bandages on their faces gave me nightmares for two days. But... <laughs> right. Yeah, that was kind of creepy. But yes, blowouts, that's never a fun Super Bowl, but it's all right. Tom Brady gets his wish. Good for him. Well, good. Well, just uh, want to say again, had a lot of fun last week with uh, with our ambush from Martin Shaw, Dr. Martin Shaw, who came and talked to us about OCD and OCPD. That was a lot of fun. And I did get a question this week of whether that was, whether the ambush was staged. And I got to say that uh, Joanna and I knew about it. Mm-hmm. We kind of uh, worked together secretly, but Brooke and Chris were genuinely ambushed last week. Yep, genuinely yes. ambushed. And each week, just to clarify, usually it's just one of us that has a question and the other three are ambushed with it. So 
Yeah. It was, yeah. Un, yeah, a little bit different last week where Ryan and I were in the know, but typically we're actually just doing this off the cuff. So yep. it's uh, always yeah. a surprise. Yeah, mm-hmm. surprise. Except that for it- the mailbush questions, except for the ones people email us. We have some warning with those, obviously. Right. Mailbush, M-A-I-L, Bush. It's <laughs> the ambush from the mailbag. So that's what that's all about. And uh, yes, if we have a, a mailbag question, a mailbush question, we'll just ask that and we'll we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's what last week was. It was kind of fun to have a guest. We'll have some more guests in the future. If you guys, uh, if you listeners have someone that you'd like to hear on here, let us know. Info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. We'll see what um, we can do. See what we can do. If it's uh, if you're wanting Brene Brown to come on here, probably gonna have to wait a little while. Yeah. Uh, or some other kind of. Or give us millions of dollars. Stars. Or give us millions of dollars to pay their uh, their fee. Mm-hmm. But uh, so far, it's just been uh, people we know already, and it's been uh, fun to have them. So. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Yes. So speaking of ambushes, do we have one for the evening? We do, and that would be me. Uh-huh. Let me uh, cue it up here. Yes, cue that thing up. I would love to. I'm curious what it's going to be. Okay, well, it's coming your way. Down, across the border. I got it. Oh, it's a long one. Okay. Oh, man. Look out. Chris is, Chris is going to take revenge here tonight. Here's what the the ambush is. Political polarization, conspiracy theories, and strong opinions. Communication and connection among friends, family, colleagues, and community members can be strained by strong sentiments. What's happening here? How can I improve communication and connection with someone with different views than myself? Is it possible for me to change someone's views? If so, how? Woo-wee. Wow. I think my my internet is breaking up I'm mine too gonna... <laughs> so 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 we read the whole thing again uh, oh we gotta go oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i get it chris and ryan you got this one <laughs> that was a yeah that was a handful yeah uh yes so certainly in this last year or so and uh and even before that but i think this last year has been pretty intense we have seen a lot of polarization we've seen conspiracy theories we've seen people with strong opinions who are willing to vocalize them and sometimes it's among family members they have opposing opinions or views uh and in friend groups all of that stuff so the question here how can i improve communication connection with someone who has a different viewpoint. Uh, Is it possible for me to change someone's views? And if so, how? Big stuff. (laughs) Don't all jump in at once. (laughs) So in terms of what's going on here, um, I have a feeling conspiracy theories have been around for a long time. Sure. But uh, of course we have the internet and social media. So now people can vocalize their or express their views and and uh and get that message out there to to the masses um i think fear has a lot to do with this 
Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there afraid of, of their safety and, and well-being and have experienced lots of challenges and hardship. So I think sometimes that's a factor in terms of the creation of these strong opinions and, and uh, viewpoints. Yes, I think that's a big part of it. Fear. So we're talking about, you know, if someone is, uh, you know, you're afraid, afraid of the coronavirus or you're afraid of the vaccine or you're afraid of something politically going on, people develop a strong opinion or a strong belief system around that to try to protect themselves oftentimes, right? Um, yeah. Yes. I, I think when we're trying, when we're talking about improving communication with somebody who doesn't share our value system or our belief or value, um, for me personally and professionally, I guess, um, I don't try to change their value or opinion. And I think that's an important part right out of the gates is trying to understand where the other person is coming from and their points, um, how they formulated this view or opinion and trying to keep it in a non-judgmental way. I don't have to agree with what they're saying, but I wanna understand what they're saying and why they're saying it and where it's coming from. So uh, yeah, I find if you jump on there and, and just start arguing right away with the yeah buts, it just shuts everything down or blows everything up, one of the two. Um, and I don't feel that it's really productive. Yeah, so when people get defensive, that's where they're more likely to back up their viewpoint and um, things can kind of escalate in those moments, right? Yeah. So I like that idea of listening. And, um, but yeah, kind of what's under the surface there. So again, fear, maybe some anger. You know, um, I often say anger comes from um, perceiving um, unfairness and injustice. And again, that's been a prevalent theme here over the past while too, how people have had to adjust this pandemic. For instance, um, a lot of loss and, and um, yeah. Exhausted. Exha yeah, exhaustion or fatigue has kicked in as well. Um, but emotion, right? I think uh, emotion often takes over and even politically, my goodness, uh, kind of the us versus them mentality. We've seen that quite a bit, especially um, south of the border, but countries all over the world as well. Um, yes. I, uh, several years ago, I, for, for the Psychotherapy Networker, I interviewed a guy by the name of Jonathan Haidt. H-A-I-D-T, who uh, does a lot of uh, research on politics and on uh, political beliefs. And, and he wanted to try to understand what it is that makes people believe the way that they do. Is it personality? You know, either way they vote the way they do, whether they affiliate with, with political um, parties and that sort of thing. Is it, does it have to do with their personality? Does it have to do with their age group? Does it have to do with, with whatever? Um, he looked at all sorts of different factors and he said, it really, the most, the strongest factor that that predicts uh, someone's political belief system are the people they hang out with. <laughs> it's their group. So if people are, you know, if if you're close with your family or you're close with a group of friends, people tend to kind of assimilate and and kind of hold on to similar political beliefs. Um, and it, that's and that also makes it really hard to shake or hard to hard to leave those beliefs because if you're going to um, change your mind about your politics. That means you're kind of leaving behind a whole social group, right? And 
so when we're talking about us versus them, it really is kind of an us versus them, especially if you're talking about the people that you're hanging out with. But what's interesting, what's happened here, um, you know, recently, Chris, a, a kind of part of your question here is that, you know, we don't, we don't just have one social group. We have multiple social groups, you know? You may have the people that you work with. You may have the people that you live with. You may have the people that you socialize with. And um, maybe, you're, maybe you decide to affiliate, you know, your, your, your politics go along the lines of your family, but then some of your friends might have different politics and that, uh, that's gonna clash. And then you have this kind of crisis of, well, who, who am I gonna go with? Am I gonna join my friends? Am I gonna join my family? How's that gonna work out? So there can be some, some, some real challenges there when it comes to, uh, to that. And so when someone, you know, you're having a holiday dinner with, uh, with your aunt who believes something very, very different or maybe have some conspiracy beliefs or something like that, it's probably because of the people that she's been talking to or listening to. And, uh, and for you to just say, oh no, you're wrong is gonna, it's gonna be really hard to get her to wrestle those beliefs away from her because that you're basically telling her to abandon her whole social group. Mm -hmm. Well, you're also like, I think you have to kind of turn the finger back around in those moments too, to think, what is the purpose of me even doing yeah. this right now, right? Like, mm -hmm. why do I really need to hammer in my view or opinion or prove you wrong or what is that about, right? Like, what can we just have a conversation where we're exploring a topic? Exploring a topic doesn't mean there's a winner or a loser or that someone has to change your viewpoint, right? So maybe doing some reflection on that for yourself as well, you know? Great point, absolutely. Yeah, why, you know? Why take the bait, right? People have, people have differences of opinion about a number of things, right? Yep. Yeah. You might like country music. Maybe I don't. That doesn't mean that I have to convince you that there's something wrong with country music. You can... Pineapple on pizza. Mm, yeah. The perfect banana. <sighs> These things come up a lot. Okay. Thumbs up, thumbs down, pineapple on pizza. One, two, three. Thumbs up. Oh, for those, down. So it's two, two down. for those listening. It splits on gender lines too. Chris and I are anti-pineapple. Mm, so good. Oh my gosh. Mm. No, it's a fruit. Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. So, what happens if uh, someone's views are uh, can be of offensive or or dangerous, for instance? Sure. Um, where it goes beyond the, you know, pineapple and pizza or preference <laughs> in terms of uh, a spotted banana or not. Sure. And there's a, there are a lot of those. We have a lot of examples of that over this last year, right? I mean, if someone has uh, opinions on race, maybe that might be uh, offensive. That's something to be to take into consideration. And certainly as we're talking about uh, COVID and and vaccines and all of that, you know, there's there's some arguments that people make on both sides of that, right? About like opening things up, closing things down, take the vaccine, do more testing, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and you may have your beliefs about that, uh, but you also may might be afraid that if someone else isn't uh, taking proper precautions, they could be in danger or could put you in danger. So yeah, when do you speak up? Yeah, I think there's, it's hard to, because I think it, uh, if someone might 
you know, everyone can have their opinions, but also maybe speak up if, I don't know, if someone's maybe be more vocal about it or trying to push their beliefs on other people, or maybe they have a bit of a wider audience, or I don't know, but I feel like if they were willing to kind of talk about it a bit more, maybe there's a bit more of a conversation they could be open to, to hearing the other side of it. I don't know. I think there's been temptation for me there of hearing, um, yeah, some differing um, views on things, uh, you know, more of this last year. And it's just like, oh man, yeah, you just want to kind of talk to them or, but then it's a good question you bring up, Brooke, as to what's the point of that or what's the purpose or what's my goal, right? Is it to be like, yeah, argue my points or maybe they just don't want to hear it. Maybe they just want to convince other people of it. So um, sometimes it might not be worth your energy. I don't know. Other times I think it, it would be like if there is harm or danger mm -hmm. involved, right? Um, but doing that in a safe way. I know I'm sure this happens in the States too, definitely happens up here, but um, people do get angry or agitated sometimes with um, being asked to wear a mask inside of a business and they might give some kickback and, um, you know, videos circulate around. And I think about that if I myself, so I'm a petite female, we're in a, a place of business and there was a large male arguing the point. It's not always a large, large male, but just for the sake of this example, myself personally, I'd probably hang around and observe or witness or whatnot to be a role of a witness in that situation, but I probably wouldn't speak up for my own safety. Mm. Um, mm. You know, but there might be other situations where we do need to speak up if something is going on that is unfair to another person or putting someone else in harm or, or danger, whether that be through mask wearing or, um, if there's other things going on, racism, mm. discrimination, different things. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of a good point, isn't it? You have to kind of gauge the situation and uh, quickly uh, figure out whether um, saying something or, or um, stepping in is going to pose any risk to yourself, right? Yeah. But if uh, there might be other people involved as well, and of course, safety and the security of everyone is the most important um, piece of it at first anyway. Because yeah. when feelings start to escalate, that's when people are more likely to, to react and maybe say or do something that they may regret later. So in some situations where, you know, if you're meeting someone or around people who might have really different views than you in different areas, you can make the choice of whether you want to like, is this going to, these differences in values or differences in views of things, is this going to impact my friendship with them? Or can I still have a relationship with them um, aside from these things? Um, and, you know, you can make that choice that way. And sometimes it might not be so simple. Um, like if it is a family member or someone who, you know, you're, you are affiliated with in a way that you can't just end that relationship. So I think it'd be good for for us to maybe think of some guidance for people who might be in those situations where it's not a, well, I just don't need to have this person in my friend group anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When it's not so simple, what do people do then? Cause you can't necessarily change, expect to change someone's mind about it. And you still got to kind of interact in yeah, your life somehow. Sure. Bill Doherty, William Doherty is a psychologist. He's spoken at the symposium quite a few times. And, um, you know, after the, the past election, Donald Trump won 
um, he sensed obviously the, the huge polarity in the, in the country, uh, Republicans versus Democrats. And so yeah, I think he did some research on it and, and he started an initiative where he would bring some people together with opposing views. And I think he would have some lay, lay the groundwork there in terms of, you know, how you have to talk respectfully and, and, and uh, but ultimately the goal was to create dialogue. And through the process, he realized that there's a lot more in common than, than, um, than they thought, right? So again, speaking to those values or um, speaking to those emotions under the surface, um, he was able to actually help these individuals see the other person's perspective, right? And I think sometimes they had to agree to disagree on certain things, but it was pretty powerful to see how people could actually forge connections with people that have very different views than themselves. So that's often uh, the approach I take is let's have that conversation. Like if you come out guns a blazing and try to shame the other person, then there's no way that's gonna go anywhere. But a bit of a softer approach I think is so important. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, a softer approach and also I think storytelling, you know, when, when you're talking about, when you're just sharing a bit about your life, you know, how does this impact me or what uh if you can get to a place of having that dialogue and and peacefully talking sharing both of your stories you probably see that you have more common ground than than difference and uh yeah it can be very helpful that way and tapping into that empathy a bit right this is someone who's yeah is frustrated and they don't feel validated and uh, oddly enough i think when it comes to some conspiracy theories connection is a big part of it like uh, you find people out there that share the views, the same views as you. And I think it actually creates um, a closeness there. Um, so kind of speaking to your point earlier, there's, you know, we can't underestimate the power of that connection that they, that these individuals have. So true. Uh, sometimes personally, I find that, uh, so my family is family of big opinions that I don't always share, but uh I've come for, for me when I am having a conversation with someone with a value, very strong value or opinion that I do not share. And I approach with a conversation and empathy and curiosity. I also approach, I don't, I don't know if this will be true for other people, but um, without an expectation that they're going to want to understand my side. Hmm. Mm. When somebody, and that's just in my personal experience, when somebody's so hot with the opinion, like, and it's, uh, it's, it's bold, it's rigid, it's coming from a, an emotional place, I'm not going to expect them after I ask questions to all of a sudden softly then ask me, well, what about you? And where are you coming from? And, and take that approach with me. So, and I think that's a little bit of the, uh, like, kind of taking the higher road or not taking the bait when we're having those conversations. Good. That's good. Yeah. Even um, approaching it and asking another person a lot of questions too. So uh, a genuine curiosity in terms of how they how they created this opinion or how they um, came to this conclusion. So open-ended questions can sometimes um, empower someone or enable someone to think um, critically. Um, so open-ended questions, I feel, can be can be beneficial as well. A genuine curiosity, right? Like, genuine oh, curiosity. Yeah. Wow, how did you come to that belief? I'm, I'm, I really want to know. Yeah, yeah, like I, you know, I've, I've looked at the stats as well, and I've come to very different con uh, conclusions. And I'm just kind of curious what, 
you know, did you, um, what kind of information have you read yeah. or what kind of research have you have been yep. exposed to? Like, you know, so that curiosity, I think often disarms, right? In those yep. moments. Do you know something I don't, you know? Because maybe, maybe you're the one with the rigid conspiracy theory. <laughs> maybe you need to be the one who uh, opens your mind and takes in someone else's uh, data, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So just everyone having more of an attitude of openness. I uh, hear, I don't know what it's like up there, but here, politically speaking, conservative liberal also has a strong overlap with uh, rural urban. Um, the urban centers tend to be a bit more liberal and the, uh, the rural areas tend to be more conservative. And some friends of mine down here and I, we've talked for a long time about how cool would it be if like for a month or two, every high school student who was urban would go do an exchange, exchange program to a rural community and rural students would come to an urban community and just live with the family and just get to know one another. Cause that's the divide is really severe here, you know? And just as far as like sharing your life, sharing some stories, having some experiences together, you know, people are, are quick to make judgments about what, what they are over there in their communities and their belief systems and all that stuff. But if you actually live in someone's home for a while and, you know, join in yeah. their family rituals and do their, do their stuff, see what they, what they value, I think we'd really see we're not that different. That's a good point. Um, yeah, you mentioned earlier too, just how, you know, it's the people we connect with who often share these same views. And uh, I think it was theorized that we can only maintain stable relationships with a certain amount of people. Oh, and yeah. um, unfortunately, there's a lack of diversity in terms of the people within those social networks. So, but I like that. It encourages people to develop connections with, with with new people, right? And once you have and foster those personal connections, then I, I bet you there'll be an increase in terms of empathy. I think there would. I think it's easy to, you know, to use a buzzword like other people, you know, to make people into others. Like they, they are like this and we're like that. But if we actually got, you know, built connections and built relationships with people who were different, um, I think we might find that, uh, again, we share common ground and might have some more empathy for them. So, so we'll be kicking off that program here in the next couple of years. Well, I don't <laughs> be great if we could. I don't know what that would take, but so about this idea of changing someone's uh, opinion or changing someone's viewpoint. Um, yeah, we're talking about the empathy. We're talking about um, using the connection. Is there, I'm curious, have you guys ever changed your mind about something significant, uh, you know, or had, have you had a convincing argument that changed your mind or just, just to throw out there, as far as this research study of four people. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Um, it's funny, like late teens, early 20s, especially, you kind of think that you you know everything. Then the older you get, the more educated you get, you realize you don't much you don't know much of anything, right? Uh-huh. Um, even within the field of psychology, there's been certain, you know, you guys can describe them as polarizing figures who have become very popular. Um, yeah, I think of the, the fellow there from uh, Toronto, uh, Jordan Peterson, for instance. Um, you know, 
I think uh, psychologists, therapists, we tend to have a reputation of being more kind of bleeding heart liberals, you know, maybe a little more left-leaning. And um, then you have someone like him who uh, cites the research and, and is offering you know, compelling arguments that um, a lot of people found at times offensive, right? So for me, when I read his book and listened to some of his um, his lectures, I, you know, I try to have an open mind and, and just try to understand how he's coming to these conclusions, right? Mm-hmm. And then look into the research and, you know, is, is the research just one expert, one fringe expert here, or, you know, is it based on some sound studies? And um, so, but I, I think it has actually led to a lot of great conversations and dialogues with colleagues as well as friends, right? What, what, by the way, Jordan Peterson is so, I mean, he's so, such a compelling character and, and so polarizing himself. I'm curious what, what's the viewpoint uh, here in the, in the States, people who know of Jordan Peterson, either love him or hate him. That's basically it. Well, um, but as Canadians, what do you guys think? Or is it the same sort of thing? Is it polarizing? I think so. Yeah. For Jordan Peterson, yeah. People really like his work or don't like him. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you cannot, whether you like his work or not, you cannot deny that the guy is a gifted debate debater and speaker. I mean, wow, can he spin an argument, you know? If you ever, you just if you guys are interested in who we're talking about, you don't know Jordan Peterson. Just look up some, look up interviews with Jordan Peterson at some point, and you'll see he just is a master wordsmith. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so that's definitely one one yeah. example for me, anyway. Is yeah. um, you know just being exposed to um, someone who has a very <laughs> different approach to a lot of societal issues and and mental health. In general, right? That uh, very different from what you typically hear at the symposium, for instance. And I would love to, uh, I don't know if it's possible, I know Ryan, you know the powers that be, if you could somehow get a, someone like him to come to the symposium, I think that would be so important for our field just to, to have some someone with Walk a different perspective and, and go head to head and see if we can find some middle ground there. That would be uh, pretty amazing to experience. Oh, that would be great. You know that a lot of the therapists would want to protest that, but I think it would be great for just uh, buzz and controversy. That'd be, that'd be very cool. Yes. I think that I've had my mind changed about a few things in my, in my adult life. And usually it's either, it's either because of data or it's because of uh, personal stories. So, I mean, like, you know, someone sharing, sharing their experience with me, like, Oh, well, that's what it's like. You know, that's what, that's what that is. Okay, I think I, I think I can, I can see that clearly now, or more clearly. Um, and scientific arguments are, for me, that's the, those are kind of the strongest. You know, when I see a, a good bit of research saying, whatever, you know, flying is safe or something like that. It's like, yeah, I, I can do that. Um, you know, a year ago, a, even a year ago, I think I was probably one of the people saying, oh. I don't know that this COVID thing is going to be that big a deal. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the science. I didn't know the data. I think I was I just feel like a lot of people felt that way. I think it was, oh, it's just this or that, nothing to worry about. But yeah, I was changes that. Knowledge changes that. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping yeah. that was what it was going to be. That was my my bias. 
I hoped things would be fine and it would blow over like SARS and H1N1 and all these other things, but but no, uh, obviously the data changed my mind. <laughs> the data and the US response to the pandemic changed my mind. Yeah, Amen. for sure. It's been an interesting year um, because sometimes uh, people's perspectives are not based on, on science or facts or stats, right? Um, where again, the emotion takes over. So people are, they say, well, I, I feel this to be true. So in their minds, it is true. Um, so I think They're it's awesome. Emotional you know, reasoning. That's the fancy word for it. Is it? Yeah. You um, have the emotion and then you assume that it's then real. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, or there's a distrust of, of science, which we, we've been seeing as well, which is unfortunate um because it runs so counter to what science is all about um finding truth finding the truth you know it's got to be um yeah going down to the facts and what, what we know for sure so so i think it's uh, also important too like if you want to um think critically and and there might be experts out there that have some different views but is that the consensus of all the experts out there um does it does it stand up to scrutiny? Because um, there's lots of ideas being shared. So I think you almost have to, everyone has to be diligent in terms of where they're getting their facts from and, and making sure that, and, and Googling the opposite and seeing if you can find evidence contrary to it. Yeah. Um, so I, our Joanne and I's brother-in-law, Graham, he, you know, sometimes he will uh, watch some of the American news channels and he will watch CNN as well as Fox News. And he enjoys it because he likes to see the different perspectives in terms of how they're describing certain situations. And he said it's very important to, to, to look at both. And I kind of like that. So sometimes I've been doing the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, critical thought is, is really important, right? Um, and just being able to evaluate all the evidence, not just one piece of it or your selective evidence, right? Just trying to understand all the different sides and um, and then just on a random side quote because Chris brought up science. So I uh, belong to a book club amongst some friends and one of the friends is a microbiologist and for whatever reason last book club science came up but like and then somebody was like well what science anyway really what mm -hmm. is the definition of science and so my friend her, she said, if it requires faith, it's not science. Ooh. I was like, whoa, that was a good one. So I guess uh, it was a professor in one of her courses throughout her training had mentioned that. Yeah. And it really stuck yeah. with her. If it requires faith, it's not science. Because mm. you're not believing in something. You're not, uh, it's no. just, you're just seeing it. It is what it is. It's factual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I like that. Microbiologist. Yeah, sometimes I someone asks my perspective on on you know the coronavirus situation. And you know, you, you can delve into the stats. And I think there's a lot of armchair statisticians out there trying to crunch numbers and try to make sense of it. But there's folks out there who have dedicated 10, 12 years of their lives studying this topic, right? Yes. And uh, sometimes I feel that's a, a bit of a so bias that we have is we think, oh well, the information's out there. Yeah. We're, we're able to, to to have that knowledge ourselves but my goodness there's 
a lot of training that a lot of people have. And I think just um, respecting that a bit too, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, okay. So you've got Aunt Sally who comes to dinner every Saturday and she's spouting off some theories that you don't think are valid, but uh, it's family and you can't really get away from it. Um, you're not sure you want to, are you not sure you can change your mind? You're pretty sure you can't. She's got her own kind of bubble of uh, people that are giving her, the, you know, echoing the same information. Uh, how might you handle that? How do you think you might, you know, if it's just kind of taken up a lot of the, the dinner conversation and you're uh, kind of wishing you could change the topic, what, what might you say to Aunt Sally? Well, I think you can change the topic. I think it's totally okay for you to validate, honor what she's saying, like acknowledge it. Be like, hmm, that's a really interesting, or I didn't realize that. I hadn't seen that news article. Neat. And then, hey, have you seen this series on Netflix? It's the Queen's Whatever Gambit. It is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Deflect. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Shut it okay. down. That's. I think that's fine. I think it's okay to do that. As long as we acknowledge and honor and you know, do those steps first. Um, I think that's fine. If Aunt Sally is spouting off hurtful, like if it's not just, sometimes people talk about opinions as opinions and other times people are, it's, it's actually aggressive language and hurtful language. Mm. So if it's, I think that's different. And if it is crossing boundaries or if it's abusive or harmful or aggressive language, then I think it's okay to put that boundary to say that that's not appropriate language. Yeah. Okay. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would probably say something similar to what Brooke said. Fantastic answer. I'd say, you know what, Aunt Sally, I love your passion. You know, I like uh, live life very vividly. And, and I, I know this is an important topic to you. And I'd love to, uh, we should chat more about this, you know, after dinner and maybe try to divert the conversation to something else. Um, I try to respectfully say, you know, again, that curiosity and if there, if it is appropriate for the time, like if it's over dinner, it's probably not the best, but if you're just having a conversation and again, being very curious, this is someone that you love and care about. And this is something they're passionate about. So maybe just trying to understand like um, how they got to that conclusion as uh, we talked about earlier. And yeah. then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that if you, listen attentively and you know some practice your active listening then maybe she'll do the same and you can talk about uh, your perspective on it and not with the purpose to sway her that may happen i don't know or you might be swayed by her who knows um, but maybe there'll be some back and forth dialogue and in the end of it it's okay to maybe agree to disagree and uh, so i think it's the relationship that you want to focus on there too yeah um yeah, and I think just the reminder if a person is in a heated place, like you said, Brooke, maybe that's not the time to engage in maybe a conversation or saying, hey, love to chat with you more about this right now, or maybe, yeah, divert or change the topic. And then maybe when things are cooler, you can engage in a conversation where they might be more open to just chatting or sharing things, right? I think someone might get more defensive or be more likely to get defensive if someone... Yeah. Oh, I think curiosity, empathy, and just, yeah, I think. What about uh, trying to name it to tame it? Anyone. Do you say, 
you know, Aunt Sally, you seem pretty worked out, pretty upset. You know, how, how are things going? Um, there's a chance she may uh, rip her head off or she she may say, yeah, I'm stressed. Yeah. It sucks. My business is impacted by this. Or, sure. You know, going that route as well, right? Absolutely. That's you right. Can. You have to be ready and prepared for whatever that answer is when taking sure. that route, right? Like um, the four of us here are trained therapists and we can handle what gets thrown back at us in those situations. But for someone without any of that training, if they were to do that, uh, you do need to be prepared. You can't just then leave the conversation. So if somebody starts to open up emotionally, it's going to be important for you to stay attuned and listened and, and have a conversation and support them through that moment. So just, just being aware of that, right? If you have two minutes before you need to run out the door, somebody's coming to pick you up, well, not now because it's COVID, something's going on that you need to leave the conversation in two minutes, it might not be the best time to ask that conversation or that sure. question. Sure. I, I like, uh, I borrow this phrase from, from one of my favorites in the field, Irvin Yalom, who talks about strike while the iron is cold, which... Uh, is sometimes the best thing when it comes to difficult conversations, you know, not when you're in the heat of the moment, but actually when things are calm and peaceful, you know, maybe, maybe you're chatting with Aunt Sally on a Tuesday about the upcoming Saturday dinner and you say, you know what, Sally, I really love hanging out with you. You're wonderful to spend time with. Um, I just think that sometimes these political discussions get a little heated and I just love to, let's just keep it to, to other topics instead this time. Let's see what, how that works, right? So when it's not in the heat of the moment, maybe, you know, it can land in a better way and people can be uh, less defensive about it, you know? So sometimes that sort of thing could be helpful. And if you're also affirming the fact that, you know, it's the relationship first, you know, that's, that's what really matters to you the most is I really love spending time with you. Let's not just debate all the time. Let's, let's try to talk about things that are a little more pleasant. And also too, like if if Aunt Sally, what's the the heated part of it? If if she has her beliefs, what is it that is getting her really heated about it? Like I think Chris noted, trying to engage or check in, and if there's a yeah. okay way to do that, but not again, you're not a therapist, things like that. Be mindful, but um, yeah, what's the emotion behind it? And it's not just hey, I have this fact about this, or I feel about this. But if someone's really like. Are they wanting people to know? Are they having a hard time with it? Are they, yeah, there might be that stress behind, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah. For sure. It's good. Personally impacted by stuff or whatever. Who knows? There might be more of a story there to explore uh, versus kind of talking about the fact itself or belief itself. But. There we go. And there's our topic. I want to assure you all that no Aunt Sally's were harmed in the filming of this, uh, the recording of this podcast. They were only an example. No, no actual damage was done. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, I feel the tension. There's, it's a very contentious talk right here. I mean, you guys are, you know, we're at each other's throats. I think it's time for us to cool down, take a break for a week, and we'll come back to this next week. All right. Can't believe you don't like pineapple on pizza. Uh, agree yeah. to disagree, Joe. Agree to disagree. No, no, no. I just think you're wrong. <laughs> just kidding. That's it. <laughs> Family rift. Change the topic. Change the topic. All right. 
so everybody like and subscribe apple google podbean audible spotify or youtube send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com and visit us on facebook or instagram tell a friend or two or aunt sally we welcome at sally this podcast and uh and that's it for us guys have a great week bye everyone bye everybody bye